We are in the last class of the book of Titus, and uh, we're in lesson 11, and uh, we uh, are working through just the last verses. So, um, last week we talked about, uh, let me get it up here now. Last week we started, I think we started in verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We talked about the results of salvation and what are they, and the results are our justification, and it's done by his grace alone. And then uh, verse 8 says, the statement is trustworthy. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and beneficial for people. So, uh, one of the profitable, well, first of all, why would he encourage Titus to speak with confidence? What is that about? Is he, is it, is it enthusiasm? Is it uh, go to class and, and learn how to be an orator? Or who's that Greek guy, Demosthenes? You remember about him? The guy that walked, put marbles in his mouth, stones in his mouth, and you'd stand at the ocean and he'd yell as loud as he could so he could become a great speaker. What's the confidence issue here? Notice that he says, I would to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. Now, what's the issue here? And I think it's an issue that uh, we see in, you know, all kinds of places today. Good. What are good deeds? Maybe that's a good place to start. What are good deeds? Shovel on the sidewalk? Ran for somebody? What do, what makes a deed good? From the Lord. From the Lord. Uh, morning, Russ. <clears throat> good morning, guys. Over in Philippians. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where everybody else is. No. <laughs> Uh, um, well, one of the things we're going to talk about in the 1030 hour is uh, those that are of the flesh pay attention to the things of the flesh and those that are of the spirit pay attention to the things of the spirit. And one of the, one of the issues there is uh, the flesh has both evil and good. So I can do good, like I, well, Courtney could do this. I couldn't do it. Give a, give a million dollars to CSU. And if he did it out of the flesh, it would not be pleasing to God at all. It wouldn't be considered a good deed. You see that? Now, helping a, a, somebody across the street might or might not be. The point is, is what what's the source of what you're doing? 
is it source and or motive? Motive? I mean, yeah. selfish or out of, out of the manifestation of Christ in your, you know, mm-hmm. it, there are two different things that I can do because I would, you know, I think it's such a good thing that God will smile on me a little bit more. Yeah. Well, he gave me this money. I might as well, yeah. you know, yeah. or, or like, uh, as an example, uh, that, that J.B. Hickson rallied everybody in Douglas County to, uh, you know, throw out the liberal uh, uh, school board members and replace them with conservative ones. I wonder if he ever sat down and thought, is this something God would have me do? Or is this something I think I ought to do because I'm a conservative and those liberals are screwing things up? You know? I mean, that's hard to distinguish. You know, I mean, if they're Mm -hmm. doing, you know, horrible things, Mm -hmm. you want more to be salt, light, we're, you know, yeah, you know, all yeah. those different things. So, I, 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 if it's again motive that it's to, you know, remove people who are evil or doing things, yeah. you know, promoting, you know, transgender and this and that and sure. whatever. That sure. if we have the ability to impact that, I don't think that's wrong or, you know, but if it's motive to make himself greater, you know, or mm-hmm. to, you know, I. Again, I think there are things in politics. I mean, we hope that there are lots of believers in in our government. It would be nice. <laughs> I don't see a lot of that, but yeah. You know, it's, so I mean, I don't think it's. That, again, I go to the motive. Yeah. Over overall, you know, Paul never preached the change of society or the improvement. He talked. He's focusing on individuals, and I think that's what he's telling Titus here: is that you speak confidently to uh, believers uh, about what you know and that you you say it in such a way that you're convinced about it and this is the way that uh, uh, god's word is and and then he relates that to good deeds so in order to qualify for a good deed you got i think you need a pretty a fairly extensive spiritual education because you 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 have to judge what you're doing as is this something from the Lord or of the Lord or not? What is my motive? You know, I, I we don't have a responsibility, I don't think, to be the in the performance of it, but we do have a responsibility to judge what we do or who's going to control us. We do have that responsibility. So, you know, lots of times we do things that, so that so people will say, give us an attaboy about them. Donna. Like there's some danger there focusing on, you know, is this, a, is this a, of the Lord? Is this not? Sure. You know what I mean? Spend your whole life. That's what you're thinking about. So, how would you solve that? I mean, how, how would you, if you're aware, how would you, you know, what would be the method that you would use to make sure you're not doing it? Because you're not under law, you're under grace. And we're talking about in plenty of verses, you know, doctrine is not without a behavior pattern that's consistent with the doctrine. Paul never says just sit sit down on positional truths and don't worry about doing anything. He never says that. The doctrine 
and and life go together. So how do you know? I think one, it has to be, you know, obviously if it's against scripture, that's mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, I think it's, you know, maybe I agree with Donna, it's, you know, if you're constantly worried about that, your, your focus is wrong because you're really worried about what you, you or, you know, it focuses, am I, am I, am I, am I? And, and I think it's more than, to, to, to me, it's more the manifestation of Christ's life as you have that relationship. It's just, it, it's who you are. But, I think the key's relationship. But, but I, I think kind of knowing it is more peace and rest. Mm-hmm. I, I think as you have that relationship, there's peace. And, mm-hmm. and the other is, I always think of too, is that, sometimes you do screw up, but God allowed you to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm worried about the good deed sure or, not, or whatever, you may think it's a great deed and you have peace about it, but you know, you'll find out it was the wrong direction or wrong, but God allowed that for his purposes. Yeah, Calvin told me on Friday night, he said, I'll never touch a kid again. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and all he was doing was coaching. And he said, you're supposed to be over here. And he shoved him. Yeah, you know, I think I think relationship, I think intimacy with Christ is a secret yeah. because in all the interpersonal relationships we have, especially ones with husband and wife or people that you really care about, you're careful. Not and it hasn't it doesn't have anything to do with offending them, but you're careful not to engage in something you know is going to. Uh, either cause them to sin or upset them or whatever. Um, and I think that as we grow in, in the Lord Jesus and our intimacy grows, we know, we get a sense through this intimacy, well, the Lord would not have me do that. And I don't know what book and chapter it is. It just isn't of him. It isn't his life. It isn't. It doesn't fit the paradigm. So I think that's, you know, a relationship is key. Now, this is what I really wanted to get to today. I'll run out of time before I get going. And I told a guy, I had lunch with a guy this week. And here's what I told him. I said, well, verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law for they're useless and worthless. Reject a divisive person after first and second warning, knowing that such a person has deviated from what is right and is sinning, being self-condemned. So, so you're gonna I'm gonna put you through the sieve here. You get two shots, and that's it. So I actually I said to this guy, based on what you're telling me, I would I would uh you've tried more than twice. I'd walk away from the situation. Can I do that as a Christian? Yeah. So so. You know, I think that's I mean, it's <laughs> past lives, you know, and, and and leadership and things. It's like, you know, there's just some people who are there. Their whole persona is to be factious or, you know, always foolish controversies, not genealogies and that. But they're they're just they're always just picking, you know, and and 
I think it is to stay away from or and there there have been a few here that you know I I can name that have come and gone and and it there it's just you know like dripping water you know it's just they're always the little things and they're always picking and little and you know it's I think that's what this is so what versus and always you know just factious little so I think I think we have to acknowledge that in the world system there are people like this all over the place oh, yeah. but how about in the body of christ see it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing because like paul warns on some of these that you know reject them but don't throw them out admonish them. in fact it was just finishing in thessalonians mm-hmm. admonish them yeah but don't don't throw them i mean yeah <laughs> stay away from them but don't well and i think that's them. the same message here yeah i think it's you know just be wary of them, you know, and, and deal with it. Don't let it, don't let it fester. Don't let it, you know. Well, it, let's say that, uh, and this happens all over the place in Christianity. You belong to church A and you're cruising along pretty well and, you know, you're growing a little bit and here comes a wolf in sheep clo- sleeps clothing. You don't really know. And there are of a different mindset let's say that you're you're a, a, a dispensationalist and they're not and they carefully and quietly but more openly as time goes on try to insert their doctrine into the church or into your thinking i think this is the answer right here and it isn't that you take somebody and show them the door but you might have to uh, publicly denounce them. You might have to uh, uh, avoid them and not engage in that kind of controversy. And it's interesting. Titus gets two shots at this, and then and then Paul says, "Yeah, it's a, it's twice, and that's enough." And I think you see that. Uh, as an example, the one guy I can think of is uh, Roland Hedrick. When he was here, was a, a ultra dispensationalist and believed in three or four doctrines that we didn't. And uh, he, uh, you know, one day was passing out Bollinger information to people in the parking lot. So we sat him down and talked to him and said, "You can't do that here." You know, uh, now you can. You can do it wherever you want, but you can, can't do it here, and you can't be a member of, the, of this body if you continue going down that road. And uh, he and he said, "Oh, yeah, I agree." He agreed. Didn't change his doctrine any, but he agreed that he couldn't prostitute his theology. Yeah. So this this pertains to doctrine, right? Not like a Republican or a Democrat. No, it has nothing to do with political uh, opinion. No. It's strictly doctrine. Well, look, look what he talks about. He said foolish controversies, genealogies. Why genealogies? Why would he bring it up? Because it was a huge deal in Judaism. What family do you come from? You know, I mean, we're, we're with the advent of computer uh, today, there are lots of people getting involved in, in the uh, genealogies like, <laughs> Jessica Johnson is the one I can think of, you know. And a lot of people 
Uh, you know, they they want to find out where they came from. I'm not so sure I do. <laughs> I knew I came from Adam, and that's enough, you know. But the Jews, because of the 12 tribes and because of different things, you know, would argue on and on about genealogies. And so Paul says, you know, this is an example. Don't engage in that. And then he says, strife. Well, that really fits with the church because uh, church is getting these doctrinal uh, disputes and it splits them, you know. The, the, the church has a history of, of splits because of strife and disputes. And especially if you're a grace-based church and, and the law is trying to be interjected. The thing we don't, we don't, and I may mention this this morning at 1030, we don't realize what a devastating um, doctrine that the one nature guys present. It totally destroys dispensationalism if you buy into it. And you can say, well, gee, John MacArthur is such a great teacher. He's got great delivery. His doctrine stinks. You know? So, you know, I'm just wondering, in response to Donna's, that it's only about the law or whatever. I, I'm, I'm wondering about that, like foolish controversies and things like that, you know? I think of families. Well, yeah, I mean, there could be all sorts of, or politics, like I said, politics experience, or, mm -hmm. you know, you're, whoever you're just saying, or the guy down in Castle Rock or Sedalia, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and bringing in the, you know, if you don't sign my thing, petition, rid of it, petition I mean, yeah. I think, I think it's more than just doctrine. I think this is, and, you know, a factious person, mm -hmm. somebody who's in there that's dividing based on either, because it, it yeah, they can divide based on on worldly things that would divide a church or yeah. divide a body, and and that's so. I think I think it may be more than just uh, because. It, but I'm trying to figure it out as you know, Gino is you know, and disputes about the law. I don't know if that's a separate or just you know, foolish controversies. They're all separate, or or they all relate to the law. I don't mm -hmm. know, but I'm I'm thinking that you know, there can be a whole lot of divisions based on stupid things. You know, not um, particularly doctrine related. Does does your show that there's a definite article in front of the word law? No, the law. The law. So we're talking about the Mosaic law, right? Or is it just law principle? The law is capitalized. Yeah. The law. The law. So. It's interesting. It isn't that. So, what what does the debate in, include? Which laws are relevant and which laws aren't? How far can you? I, I remember when I was in the high school with the Catholic teaching about morality. All the guys all had the same thing in their mind. How far can I go before it's a sin? That was the dispute. How far? Well, I can, you know, can I, you know. And and that's the way law-based people are. How how far can I go? Well, like uh, Courtney pointed out, anything that's self-centered in terms of your performance is a law system that takes your focus off of the Lord Jesus and puts it on you and your performance. 
So disputes about the law are interesting. Uh, the law, if it's a mosaic law, we positionally have been separated from it. It isn't our rule of life. Our rule of life is the Holy Spirit and grace. And so um, if you live in a, an environment of grace and you have a law-based person who is encroaching on your freedom, the instructions here are to talk to them twice about it. And if they won't uh, comply, you ignore them, shun them, you know. So, uh, and does it presuppose that you better be right? Because <laughs> they may think they're right. I know Roland Hedrick thought he was right. I had a lot of conversations with him, and he tried his best to convince me that ultra-dispensationalism was, in other words, what he believed is that from the time of Pentecost to the time of Paul coming on the scene, there was another group of Christians or believers in there that weren't really members of the body of Christ. That's what an ultra-dispensationalist believes, that the church doesn't really start until Paul shows up on the scene. So, um, Actually, looking at the, it's interesting, the Greek word for that is, isn't, it says about the law. It's, it's, it's a different thing. It's yeah. pertaining to the law, matter of the law, someone yeah. skilled in the law, a lawyer. And then it, you know, the lawyer Zenus, whom Paul mentions in Titus 3.13, was probably attorney of Roman law and not Mosaic law. So it's more, it, it's, <laughs> it's law as a principle. Yeah, as a principle. Yeah. And that's the way, that's the way we says, he's, he quotes it, but stupid questionings, genealogies, wranglings, and contentiousness, contentions about laws turn away from and shun them. Okay. So it, it comes down to, well, what, what can I do and what, what can't I do? You know, well, a lot of times people that, that live in a grace environment decide the best way to deal with that is not do anything. The problem is, is that the word of God, you know, is a, grace is a stimulant to serve Christ, you know. So, who are these guys? I wrote down their heretics is one, therefore, who refuses to accept true doctrine and is, it is revealed in the Bible. So, it puts the focus and the onus on understanding what God's word says. You know, as a matter of fact, the conference we just got back from, the title was uh, Overcoming a Confusion about certain five or six things. And uh, uh, parts of it was really good. Parts of it, I'm not sure that uh, uh, they made their case. You know? So, um, so, you okay with that? I mean, I'm, I'm going to get a sign and hanging on somebody being shunned. <laughs> so, uh, uh, question six, what uh, concluding instructions did Paul give? And what he, uh, 12 through 14, he says, when, when I send Artemis Tychicus to you, Make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, where I have decided to spend the winter there. 
diligently helped Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. And let our people also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs that they may be not be unfruitful. So it's interesting. Paul talks about future plans, where he's going to spend the winter. So obviously it gets cold wherever he was and he couldn't move around. Um, Artemis or Tychicus, who, is, who are these guys? What, what, uh, what the we says is that Artemis or Tychicus would be Titus's replacement in Crete when he comes to Paul. So when Titus comes to see him, the guy in charge that's left behind is going to be this guy, Tychicus. Uh, he says, nothing is known of Artemis, but Tychicus is a co-worker who on occasion traveled with Paul, and he gave references, Acts 20, Ephesians 6, Colossians 4, Second uh, Timothy. Zenos and Apollos, were probably the bearers of this letter to Titus, so that identifies who all these people are. Okay, um, and the de- the designation of Zenus as a lawyer could mean one of two things: he either was a Jew, which meant he was proficient in the Mosaic law, or he was a Gentile, which meant he was a Roman jurist. One of those two things. Uh, Apollos uh, is most associated with the Corinthian church. Um, notice in verse 14, uh, up here. verse 14, he says, our, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet the pressing needs so that they will not be unproductive. He makes a short appeal for funds and people to be productive. Why does he do that? How do you get funds out of that? Um, because of my study went to funds. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Paul always reminds those petitioned that giving is their opportunity for good works and will thus bring blessing to them. You remember uh, uh, when we were talking about um, Titus, how you love your neighbor? Or was it First Thessalonians? Yeah, it was First Thessalonians. Here's how you love your neighbor. And it, I, it, when I read that, I thought, really? The first thing is, this is how I love my neighbor. First thing, I mind my own business. The second thing is, I stay out of your business. And the third thing is, I work. I work. Why do I work? Right here. If I work, I have gain. I can help somebody. If I don't work and I'm homeless and I'm on government assistance... They're always helping me because I'm lazy, you know? And so I think that's 
good works have a lot to do with with uh, one your desire um motivated by the work of the spirit in you but two that you're engaged in the service of the body of Christ in some manner you know like we drove up this morning here's bill out there with a snow shovel and he's shoveling the aisles between where the cars are going to park you know um I'm 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 marvel at what some of the things that people in the body of Christ God calls them to do, and no one ever knows that they do them. They just do them. You know, it's like making the coffee. <laughs> we get to the 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 beam of judgment, and Brian gets a bunch of uh, crowns from the Lord for making the coffee. <laughs> Last question. What does this final greeting tell us about the believers at that time? You read this whole book, this whole book, this whole letter. It tells us a couple of things, really interesting. If you sat down, you can do it in 30 minutes. You sat down and read this thing, and then f- reflected back. What would you find? You would have find that there the, there's love that existed among those whom Paul was associated with. That would be overwhelmingly apparent. Not only the people, uh, not only the people in Crete, but the people that worked with Paul. Okay, and this goes far beyond a social relationship. However, because it is bond shared within the body of Christian doctrine. True unity is unity of belief resulting in the love towards those of like faith. I think your example, when those people, I I never can remember their name, spent at your house and that guy mentions none but the hungry heart. You hear that and the whole world opens right up. I think Miles and Alyssa, when we went to Georgia, for them to sit with Brian and Julia and Dennis Roxer and and uh, uh, John Clark and some of these other people, and the conversation is all about grace, and it was like, wow. They instantly loved everybody there, and everybody loved them. It's like when they came here. The, Miles told me when he went back, he said, We've never experienced love like that, ever. Doctrine. There it is. There it is. All right. I just noticed that we're over. So next week, we will start on 1 Timothy. I'll do a little overview in history. Uh, the questions are there, and I'll send, I'll send out the electronic one. Actually, I'll, I'll do it today. So let's close. Father, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you for the opportunity to spend time, to read it, to study it, to come to understand exactly the grace that's there and the doctrine that's there, that we might live profitable lives, uh, glorifying you and serving you in whatever manner you've called us. We thank you for that. We pray in your son's precious name. Amen.